1: At your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.
0: Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host,
1: Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 421. And today I've got the one and only Dan Johnson of Sportsman's Nation on the show, and I'm running through my what would you do gauntlet of challenging deer hunting situations to see exactly how he handled them. All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by First Light. Today we have got a treat, a treat of treats, especially for those of you who are Long time listeners, those of you who, who yearn for the days of old, when me and Dan Johnson got to talk every week, back before we had 19 kids between us and 72 different projects and all manner of crazy adult responsibilities. <laughs> We've got the nine-fingered wonder, my brother from another mother, the guy they based the unicorn Cornelius character on from all those Santa Claus videos. <laughs> Dan, thanks for being here, buddy.
2: Mark, every time I am on this uh, podcast, the intro for me keeps getting longer, but (laughs) the the blows are getting a little bit lower. (laughs) At some point, it's going to be more of a roast of Dan Johnson than an introduction.
1: Yeah, so I mentioned that there was a surprise today. That's it. This is just the Dan Johnson roast (laughs) (laughs) show.
2: Just going to talk
1: shit about me for one straight hour. Yep. No, but two hours. Two hours, Dan. Two hours. Long episode. Two hour episode. There's a lot to cover on that topic. <laughs> yeah, that's Oh, bad. man. No. In all seriousness, I want to do two things, and I'm all hoping right. you're game for it. Uh, number one, I want to catch up a little bit because, you know, back in the day, we used to have these weekly conversations that we got to talk about what was going on in our personal lives and our whitetail worlds and all that, and I missed that. Like, that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So I want to catch up on that stuff. But the second thing I want to do is something I have not warned you about but maybe you've seen me post about it in the past. We have done, I've done a little mini series over part of last year and a couple times this year. Basically, I refer to as the what would you do gauntlet in which I present a hunter with a bunch of different hypothetical scenarios, really specific scenarios. Like you're in this place at this time with these conditions, what would you do? I've done this with, you know, john eberhart and tony peterson and mark drury and the best and the best and the only person i haven't covered yet who falls into that category is dan johnson so
2: (laughs) wait a second here (laughs) so i want to just mention me in the same breath as mark drury
1: yeah it's basically if you were to look at my mount rushmore of the whitetail world it's it's (laughs) mark drury andy may dan johnson so i want to run you through the what would you do gauntlet Are are you down for the gauntlet?
2: I'm down for the gauntlet, but I have I have a feeling there's a specific set of questions that you're going to ask me that you didn't ask Mark Drury.
1: <laughs> there are a few questions on my list that yes would <laughs> never would never make it to Mark Drury. <laughs> <laughs>
2: like like the sky don't question. Yeah.
1: Well that, you know, that's let me add some notes here. That's a great one. <laughs> <laughs> Recently. Oh man! So that's that's what I want to do today. I wanna to, I want to cover a lot of good stuff. So uh, does that sound like a good plan to you?
2: It sounds like a good plan. I just want to admit, uh, say something to your audience real quick. For <laughs> those of you who are uh, longtime listeners and we're here since like episode number one, it's good to be back. And for those of you who are brand new to the Wired to Hunt podcast, and this you might only be a couple episodes in,
1: uh, I'm sorry. that's a good preface that's a good preface (laughs) so 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 there you go (laughs) uh what the hell you been up to man what's what's new in the world you're chasing kids and chasing work
2: t-ball coach you know t-ball coach Um, t-ball coach yeah that's a big thing mark someday you'll probably you'll probably get there but uh, mm. t-ball coach, you know, shuttling kids around to dance and all that stuff, making sure the refrigerator's full of food, uh, and then working at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, what does your schedule look like is your Is your work time literally night? Yeah,
2: yeah. Right now, my work time is oh, it is. Wake up in the morning, get the kids ready for school, get the two oldest ones on the bus, go to the gym, work out for an hour come back home uh feed the you know get lunch ready for the other one and this in the meantime my wife has a job where she has to be on her computer from eight to five okay so i'm playing daddy daycare and you know shuttle him around taking taking him to parks ba- keeping him busy you know making sure he doesn't fall into that category of here's the ipad watch it for eight hours yeah okay? i don't like i don't want that so I'm doing the whole shuttle shuttle the kids around thing. and then somewhere about eight thirty, nine o'clock once I get the kids into bed, then uh, me and my wife and after supper after you know the kids are in bed, then I sit down
1: and I start working. So I don't know when this was. four or five, six years ago, we started talking about, you know, I was going full time with Wired to Hunt. Once we started the podcast, but for a number of years, we talked about your cubicle life and how much you kind of hated it and how you dreamed of, yeah, you dreamed of getting to go off and do your own thing, do the outdoor media podcast type of thing full time. And, you know, we, we, we kind of dreamed about it and spitballed about it for so many years. And then one day you told me that the, the issue was kind of forced because of stuff with your day job and it was happening. And now how long has it been? Two years, three years? Uh, it's,
2: it's been going on three. Yeah.
1: So you're going on three years in, is it everything you thought it would be is, is the crazy child hustle all day and then work at night. Are you living the dream or, or what do you think?
2: Let me just, I'll put it to you this way. It's 100% worth it. Yeah. I, I do not like if someone said to me, uh, Dan, it's time to go back to the cubicle. I would shoot that person and then I would, like, (laughs) like, I would pick my family up and, like, leave. I, I, there's no way, like, I'm not built for that anymore. I can't, I could not do that. Yeah. I am, like, these movies where they start talking about an an oppressed group of people being free, like Braveheart or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I am. I am a free man. I get to do whatever <laughs> I want, whenever I want, with a, you know, a little asterisk at the end of that sentence. But, you know, I, I set my own schedule. I can do what I want. I get to take my little boy to, to swimming lessons and, and watch that. I get to play with him, spend time with my family. I can do things like coach T-ball. And, and then, you know, the work is it's very important. But at the same time, it's, I don't know, it's, it's not work. It's still not work. I mean, there's some times where it feels a bit repetitive, but it's not, it's not repetitive in the sense that sitting in a cubicle would be, Yeah. you know, I'd get to talk about hunting and fishing like every day, dude. <laughs> every day I get to do that. And that's awesome.
1: Yeah. You said that you get to do whatever you want, except for with an asterisk is the asterisk name rhyme with Farah? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, that's a different story. I think that's a yes. <laughs> <laughs> Next question.
1: Next question. Next question. <laughs> uh, so what about the uh, – w- well, I can say one thing I'll add to that is I feel like I'm 100% in the same boat as far as the childhood hustle craziness right now because it's, it's interesting how our lives sort of mirror each other now with you having to watch all these kids and your wife having to be at the computer – both my wife and I now are working at home, of course, and then we both have the two kids now at home. So I definitely, definitely can uh, can relate to that chaos. But what I was going to say is um, hunting stuff, hunting planning. Yeah. Where's where's stuff looking like so far this year? Turkey hunting I heard didn't pan out. What's what's going on there and and looking forward?
2: Yeah, I mean I tell you what, turkey hunting was. Uh, I took my daughter uh, for a day basically pulled her out of school on a Friday, took her got real close a couple times. Uh, and <laughs> a group of Jake's with a strutter was coming in and I was going to shoot them. And my, my daughter had fallen asleep wrapped in this Brown blanket. And right as I start bringing the gun up to pull the trigger, she rolls over in her sleep and like makes some kind of noise Ugh. and all their heads pop up and look right at her. And then they turn around and ran away. And, uh, that it didn't work out, but then you know the the rest of the the weekend was me chasing gobbles. Uh, they'd they I'd chase them. They were hended up, and then they would go onto a property that I didn't have access to, and that was it, man. Three days, three days in, three days out.
1: <sighs> Still fun though, right? Even though you didn't fill a tag.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, like I tell everybody, I'm a turkey hunter. During turkey season, turkey season is over for me. Now I'm back to whitetails
1: yeah yeah i kind of feel the same way i had a fun quick quick season too i think uh half the fun now is actually leading into turkey season i've just been taking my son out and you know before you can actually hunt just going out there just to call on a bird and i can't did i did we did i have you on and we talked about that or someone i don't know if i talked about this with someone i don't know who i've talked about this with but the highlight of that was uh me and Everett went walking back on one of the properties and just happened to strike up a bird. We were just kind of going for a walk. My son had an umbrella and we were just kind of taking a a look and we struck one up and then ended up getting three birds like really fired up and coming in. And I was like, oh my God, these birds are actually going to come into us. So we ran up and got into a blind and actually called in these three gobblers right to us. And I had my son like already he pretended he was he was pretending his umbrella was a gun so he had his umbrella gun on the rail of the blind and he was aimed at and he was like can i shoot him dad can i shoot him like yep wait till they get in range and the birds keep getting closer and he's like kind of whispering and holding dead still but kind of commentating as we go and then he's like, they're walking by your tree stand and all this stuff. And finally he's like, I'm ready. I'm like, all right, shoot at the front bird, aim at his head. And he aims at the bird's head with his umbrella. And then he goes, kapow! <laughs> <laughs> and the birds all stop Love and it. look up. And I'm like, shoot again. And he says, kapow! He's <laughs> like, did I get him, Dad? Did I get him? And if he had had a gun, he would have smoked it because those birds were at 20 yards. So uh nice. That was that was the highlight of my turkey season. But then, like a week later, the real season opened up, and I went out. Day one, I went out in the morning. It was really quiet. Had one coming in, but he was he never closed within like sixty yards. And then I actually spotted some at midday and took off like on, they were going across a field. I sprinted out there and tried to cut them off, and I ended up spooking them. And then again that night, I spotted birds coming back to roost across the field. So I did another like big loop, got around in front of them and actually came really close to killing one of those. It was a deal where they got out into this little clearing at the edge of this field, just inside from the field. And I watched them and I basically knew that they were going to go one of two ways to go back to roost. And I was laying on the ground prone. And if they were going to go one direction, I could crawl and probably cut them off. And if they went the other direction, I'd have to figure out something and what basically ended up happening is that they went the direction that I was hoping they would and I was able to belly crawl right to the edge of this crest of this little rise that was kind of blocking me from them and so I was set up there didn't call or anything because I just knew evening birds my best bet was just to be where they wanted to go and and basically they did exactly what I thought they'd do except for instead of coming out at my 12 o'clock they cut at my 9 and so I wasn't able to move my gun from 12 to nine to get a shot. And so he popped up and his head was there and he, you know, saw this thing laying in the middle of the timber and immediately buggered. Um, yeah. So that was that. And then the next day I went out in the morning and it was, it was just like kind of just how you hope it would go as far as I Struck out heading into an area where they usually roost I hadn't roosted one specifically But I headed into where they usually are and as I got closer to it You could hear birds firing off in that spot and I got as close as I could Until I thought I'd be you know as close as I could get without them seeing me and Yelped a couple times They came down shortly thereafter and basically worked their way down the edge of this field all the way to across from me Hung up at like sixty, sixty, seventy yards, and then some hens came out across the way and and eventually edged their way closer to me and and I just laid there for like thirty minutes again, laying on the ground in kind of the ready position and they finally closed the distance and let her rip and got myself my first double bearded tom. So
2: oh boy, that's, that's kind of cool.
1: Deal. Yeah, I mean it was a nice little surprise. Like that's pretty sweet, and unique, something I've yeah. never. Actually, seen in person. So uh, that was cool. And and then got Everett out there and he, quote unquote, found the the turkey for me and helped carry it back. So that was cool. It was a fun, quick turkey hunt, turkey season, but uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it.
2: My daughter was more along the lines of, uh, let's see, uh, she was bouncing up and down the whole time, like couldn't sit still. And I'm like, okay, sweetie, you know, like (laughs) you got to stop moving because I had like multiple toms responding to me. And they'd flown down, and one was working his way in. And I, I and I'm just like, okay, he's over this hill. We have, we have to be quiet. We have to stop moving. We have to stop moving. I, I look, and she's like vibrating. <laughs> and uh, and then from there, it was just like, Dad, uh, hey, uh, can I have some snacks now? I'm just like, hey, can we wait a second? Just, let's just wait. This bird is gonna come in. If you just gotta be patient. And uh, he. he I think he saw us to be honest with you. He, I think he got up on top of a Ridge that flanked us and saw her bouncing around. And then, because at one point he just shut off and then the next time he gobbled, he was like hundred, 200 yards further down the Ridge. So, yeah. Uh, but she wanted to go out. She was still interested in it. She still wanted to call. She still wanted to, you know, we walked down to this big egg field and we saw some Stratton Toms in there and then we flanked them. And that's when the Jakes came in and, but, uh, yeah, it, I mean, she still found it interesting, but she's just not quite, not quite there yet.
1: Yeah, it's just cool to get out there with him. Oh, yeah, that's Absolutely. been That's been so much fun. I, I, I was contemplating taking a real gun with Everett, but uh, I'm still waiting on that. But he is, I just got, I don't know, I got lucky with him. He is obsessed. He's just, yeah. I mean... All he wants to do is look at hunting magazines, look at fishing magazines. He wants to come do everything with me. He's, he's constantly re, uh, I don't know, if he, recreating, I guess, recreating hunts. Like he'll watch one of some video of mine or a mediator or something, and then he will be obsessed with setting up animals just like the animals in the show were, and then getting in a blind, and then you know, living out the whole hunt. And he's, you know, he's gone out. I think we talked about this. Um, this winter somebody's gone out there and tracked deer with me and he's a better blood tracker than I am because he's not colorblind um and he's all about like wanting to help me gut the deer I'm like you're three man and he's like I want to help I want (laughs) to help um so that's that's, awesome though that's
2: a good problem to have
1: it's been so much fun it's been so much fun so that's uh I mean as you've been telling me for years that becomes more and more of a thing that you want to prioritize and uh I get it now
2: Yep, absolutely. Man.
1: Get it. What about your uh, future hunts? How's the planning coming for whitetails or big game or anything else?
2: So obviously the white, the Iowa whitetail rut is in the books, right? Same time every year.
1: Two weeks this
0: um, year for your rutcation. No, it's,
2: it's really as long as I need it to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just, I got two kids in school. Um, by the time fall hits, I will have my youngest one in school, uh, school slash daycare four days a week. Nice. So that's really going to lighten the load on my wife. And, uh, I, I don't know, man, I'm really looking forward to this season with all the kids. Like it's just, you know how it is, man. When you go on a hunt, especially out of state and your wife is behind with the two kids, it just becomes something you're thinking about. And I've never really had a hunt where I'm not thinking about, Things. like yeah. I've talked to so many people and they're like to really experience a true hunt uh, and experience it in a certain way and I don't want to just like cast like completely forget about my children because that in wife that's not what I mean by this but when you're like oh god my wife called me she sounded pissed and my kids are being naughty and there's all this stress at home I'm not there to help out I'm not focusing on the hunt like I need to yeah and at the same time my mind I, I feel guilty for not being there so this year, will be a, a lot of stress removed, so to speak, from the equation, and wow. I'm really looking forward to that. So Iowa Whitetail, obviously, um, there is, uh, uh, South Dakota Mule Deer, again, that's that's happening in October, and then in a couple weeks, I find out if I draw a Wyoming Elk tag.
1: So, how many points? Like, how many points you cashing in for that?
2: it was either six or seven. So six or seven years worth of points to go into this unit. And, uh, I don't know. We'll see, man. So that's going to be a big hunt. That's going to be a hunt where, you know, six or seven years worth of preference points. Um, you put a lot of time and energy researching and planning and trying to, you know, all of a sudden getting those hunts. And now it's, you know, it's a potential that it could happen. And if it happens, I think I'm going to go out there for like 12 days. Nice. So
1: you got really, a, you got yeah. a, a local contact or friend who knows the area you're thinking of going or what's your, your game plan on that stuff, man.
2: So the unit that I am going to, for the most part is it's big chunks of public, but at the same time, there's not much wilderness in it. So I don't need a Wyoming guide yep. or, uh, oh, you know, I don't really need it unless I want to get up there. Uh, and do. You know, I may find out that they're, they're up in there, but you know, it's, it's a very small percentage of wilderness. So I don't necessarily need a, a local guy to be there. But for the most part, um, like I, I, with all this COVID, the guy that I was hoping to go with had to back out, uh, because last year's plans got ruined. So he's going to do that hunt with his family again. And now I, this might be just a solo trip to be honest with you, uh, shoot, shoot from the hip. Um, my dad might my dad might drive out there with me, Nice, but that's, that's really, it. I do, I do know some people out, out there, but it's not like they're going to be like, you need to go to this spot right here. Yeah. You know, you need to go. They've, they've guided me to the unit. I applied for that unit and now we just kind of wait and see. And then from that point on, it's, uh, you know, just a lot more
1: research. Are you, uh, is this grizzly country or no? No, no, really. right. There you uh, go.
2: that was, that was a purpose driven decision right i i'm not prepared nor do i have any experience with grizzlies and i feel like for the most part you know yeah there's a black bear out there that could be aggressive but for the most part everything
1: i hear is they'll just run away like a yeah. You know, like a
2: dog or a coyote would.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you don't need to worry about them too much. That's good. Yeah. That's uh that's the one trick like with our place out in Idaho. We're we're in Grizzly Country. So every time I'm out there and scouting for black bear hunting and stuff, it's just a different uh different edge to everything that uh yeah. that does just change some of your decision making. So Yeah. That'll be but good other than, for us. Other
2: than, yeah. Other than that, man, it's just like if that hunt doesn't happen if I don't draw that um, I didn't put for any second you know second uh, units I just was like all or nothing on this one so if that doesn't happen I might go over the counter Colorado again uh, or I might go to Colorado and one of my buddies has drawn a pretty good unit and I might just go there and hunt and hike with him so we're not you know just call for him and uh, pack out and you know, just go for fun, basically.
1: Yeah. What's the time frame that you're thinking if you do that Wyoming Elk Hunt? Ooh, it's going to be like
2: the 8th through the 19th or something like that.
1: God, uh September. Uh, September.
2: So, yes, yeah, in September. Yeah, yeah so uh, I'm going to try to be out there in prime time for a long time. And, uh, you know, basically just try to locate something and give my give myself enough time to mess up and rebound.
1: If yeah. that makes sense. It does. Well, I think, uh, that'll be like right when I'm driving home from Idaho. So what I'll plan on doing is you just give me a ring when you get the arrow through that big bull, and I'll stop. <laughs> I'll come help you pack it out and okay. I'll be able to get right back on the road and home in time. My wife will never know it.
2: Hey, that's a win, man. I'll take all the help I can get. Uh, our buddy, Bob Planick actually, if he doesn't draw Montana, uh, he's going to go to, I like, he's going to be in Idaho hunting. Yep. And then I think he, if he draws his Montana tag, he's going to do that. But if he doesn't draw his Montana tag, I think he actually might come and help call for me just because he's going to be out there. Nice. So it's kind of, it's all those plans are up in the air yet, and, uh, a lot of it depends on what the draw results are.
1: Eh, sounds like fun one of these years yeah. when when everything lines up right where bob goes is right where i'm at in idaho too so uh yeah. one of these days we'll have to get uh all three of us connected in this zone and use my cabin as a base camp and uh i'll show you Again, show you a few man. fishing things too
2: hey i'm down man bobber and worms right <laughs> <laughs> sure you can do whatever yeah. you want <laughs> what about you so all i know I think you've probably talked your ear off about this, but have you solidified any more plans as far as your Whitetail uh, tour that you're taking?
1: You know, not much more than what we talked about in February. Basically, just that whole slate of states all over the place. Um, as far as the exact dates, that's still up in the air. But basically, uh, doing a tour to force of the Whitetail world, and we're filming two different shows this year. Um, so it's going to be kind of crazy, but it'll be it'll be good a little different you know the last couple years have been so local focused and a lot of like habitat management stuff for the back 40 and everything and this year i'm doing essentially none of that or very very little so different but it'll kind of be a nice change of pace just seeing a bunch of new country learning a bunch of new spots uh so i'm excited about that a little bit uh already concerned about what you talked about which is just like being away stress and just knowing that yeah. my wife's there solo watching the kids and and that that's something we got to kind of work through and hopefully we can line it up so i can spread all this travel out and not be gone for too long at one point you know so i'm gonna try to do yeah. like one trip a month and spread over six months and see if we can make that work um there'll be a couple times where there's doubles but um but yeah you know doing that and then i'm gonna do the local Michigan hunting and then I, I'm going to try to get the whitetail hunting by my cabin too, um, in Idaho. So we'll do that. Um, and that's it. But just no, I don't think I'm going to be able to do any other big game, no elk or mule deer or antelope. I just can't, I can't fit anything else in outside of the, the basic responsibilities, but yes, yeah. uh, you know, I can't complain about it at all.
2: There is a chance. I forgot to say this. there is a chance. I do go to Missouri or like a uh, their like before their gun season comes in, like my goal is to tag out early in Iowa. Best you know best case scenario. Hopefully it's not like a fourteen day or like it was two years ago, <laughs> but something where I can I'm gonna try to go to Missouri for like four days.
1: That'd be sweet. Just over the line.
2: Yeah. Yep. Just it's gonna be not too far from Iowa. Um, I think it's maybe two hours from my house. So not very far across the line at all, but just a, a real quick sleep out of your truck opportunity that I've never done before. And, uh, you know, give her hell.
1: You got some permission or are you going to try public? Public. Yep. Nice. Sounds like a fun adventure.
2: Yep. First thing that comes by, I'll probably shoot it.
0: So That's the way to do it, see it man. What happens.
1: I'm going to yep. be, I'm going to be eager on the trigger this year too. So, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a nice change of pace. Uh, yeah. speaking of new adventures, do you wanna do you wanna dive into the gauntlet before we uh, we run out of time?
2: I was born in the gauntlet, Mark.
1: All right, man, you better uh, be careful what you <laughs> say, though. I'm not gonna take it easy on you. You know, I I gotta go as hard with you just as anybody else. So be prepared. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. So, the rules of the game, as I described at the beginning, are that I'm gonna lay out a scenario with a bunch of details. And then you've got to think that through and then tell me what you do and then, you know, explain your thought process or why or how you would do it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So we're going to start in the summer. We're going to start with something going on pretty soon here. Let's say you've gone out to your properties, you hunt forever, right? Your Iowa spots. You get your summer cameras out like you usually do, which seems to be like July-ish in his, his store History has told me. And then you like to let them soak for quite a while. You go back out there in August, and you pull them all, and there is not a single shooter buck. Nothing. There's no shooters on here. You're wondering what in the world's going on. What do you do now? Do you not even care? Or are you going to scramble and try to relocate things? What's your game plan in that scenario?
2: Mark? Uh, in this scenario, and we've taught we talk about it all the time, is if there's no shooter bucks in July or August, right? I uh, honestly, I'm probably am not going to be worried. Um, I am going to be worried after the September shift happens, and so really all I'm going to do is just give it more time until the deer go hardhorn, um, and then September happens, and there's that big redistribution of the deer across the landscape, especially on the farm. So I'm, I'm hoping that that is a benefit for me where nothing's there summertime and then things change and the deer shift into that area during the fall. And I basically, I just give it more time until that October timeframe and check my cameras again. And I probably won't be worried about it until that October you know, that early October, mid October card, uh, pull to see if there's, you know, if there's no big deer on it by that point, then I may have to start thinking of alternate, uh, strategies.
1: Yeah. So then what then you, you, you come back in October, you show up for your first hunt or whatever, you yank a bunch of cards and still zip. It's like a bunch of Michigan bucks running around. Yeah. It- um,
2: so at that point it is just a continue to check the trail cameras, uh, and check and check and check. Uh, there's no, if there's no, um, if there's no deer on camera on, let's say like active scrapes or big fence crossings or pinch points, um, I just continue to check them, continue to check them and check them until something pops up. And, uh, as we all know, just because deer aren't on trail camera doesn't mean they're, that they're not there. So, I just am waiting for that, uh, that time in the meantime, though, I'm out scouting other properties, public near my house, uh, new farms, trying to get permission, uh, just real active in the scouting and, uh, trying to find more property
1: to hunt. Okay. So would you reposition cameras at all? Like, would you take any of those that have been dead and put them new places or put them on a new public piece or anything? Or are you sticking with your tried and true and just waiting for them to show up? Cause you know, they will.
2: Yeah, so 50-50 on that. I will definitely be moving trail cameras, but at the same time, uh, where historically there's good deer movement come uh, late October in the rut, I'm leaving those cameras up because I know at some point they're going to show up. I mean, at some point, a big mature deer is going to come through these bedding areas where these does are at. And, uh, I just have to, uh, to wait for that. I mean, I've had several years and I've talked about this before on the podcast. The, f- there's a couple of years where the first mature buck I had on my farm showed up on October 28th and it was still right at that nocturnal, uh, time frame, like just barely shooting light. Yeah. And then after that is when they slowly start picking up all the way up until the rut. So, I mean, I've had deer on camera all year. And then I've had years where there's no deer on camera until the rut or anything else. But in the meantime, I'm still out being active, scouting moving trail cameras, hoping to find one that's, you know, easy, easily patternable.
0: For all things auto, do it yourself, and you can find what you need in store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of six sick folks. Or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor recommended prescription and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits, not a first aid kit. All right. your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health slash meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater, okay, at twc.health slash meat eater.
1: How about the flip side? You check your cameras in August, we're going back to the summer, and gnarly Charlie or something like that, is on it like clockwork. He's there every day or every other day. He's visiting a lot over and over and over and over again. And (laughs) so you check in August, he's there. Now I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, well, the September shift's going to happen, stuff's going to change. But are you going to are you going to use that Intel in any kind of way? Or are you going to think, well, golly, he's here like crazy. Should I have a few things set up specifically for this area just in case? Uh, Or is it not, not, I'm not going to, I don't give a rip that he's here. It's just nice to know he's here, but wait till October, September. Like what's, what's that scenario? And then, and then my follow-up will be is same thing. Fast forward a month if it's still happening in mid-September. So answer me both of those.
2: Yeah. So all. All information, in my opinion, is good information. Some of that information is just weighted differently. So, if uh, and I've talked about this with you before, and and there's that uh, I have a picture of him here, and I have a picture of him here, and I have a picture of him here. So I take all that information. Do you remember that right? awesome
1: name I came up for this strategy? It was like the Dan Johnson connect the dots to develop the dots. something like some crazy the strategy
2: <laughs> rectified. I don't know yeah. big big big, uh, anagram or whatever. Yeah. I need to go, I need to go find that. (laughs) Right. So, and that's, that's honestly what I do to track specific deer, dude, is I will lay a map out with all my trail camera locations on them or historical data, whether that's, uh, finding a shed or finding a, um, uh, having an encounter from the tree stand, you know, seeing them from the tree stand and I put a dot on a map and then I take that dot and I draw a line to every other dot. Right. So what you have here is this unique shape and it, that what I feel is that inside this unique shape is a his core area and not that he necessarily beds there, but he travels through those areas at some point throughout the season. So I am going to find terrain features, pinch points, um, food sources within that active scrapes, rub lines, whatever, and set up in that shape hoping that he comes through at some point during, you know, during the year. So every picture is important, you know, obviously big, you know, pictures of big velvet deer are awesome to look at, but they're weighted a little bit lower in my opinion than a trail camera picture in October or September after that shift happens. And they start to um, get into a, a more of a fall routine if that makes
1: sense. Yeah, yeah. So you check your cards mid-September. He's doing that. You've done your connect-the-dots map reading approach. You kind of have a sense of where he's at. And would you get aggressive, you know, early season, more so than usual if you had that buck that, you know, The last time you check your cameras early September, mid September, whatever he's, he's doing this thing still, would you dive or not dive? Would you swing for the fences and try to kill him that first night right there?
2: It depends on if it's nocturnal or daylight pictures. Historically, all of those pictures have been nocturnal, right? He comes through the area. That's fine, but I can't hunt him. Right. So my, in my opinion, a nocturnal picture during the hunting season doesn't mean too much. He's in there. You got to try to find where he's coming from. But if he's coming from a different property and he's already on whatever property you can hunt, but it's past light, all you're doing is distributing scent across the the landscape that you don't want there. So what I like to do is wait for that late October timeframe to where he's up and, Coming through the property, searching, you know, scent checking on a, a cold front or some kind of, uh, you know, closer to the end or the beginning of the breeding season and just kind of start cycling through good spots. Uh, you know, he didn't show up here. Is he still on camera? Yes. Okay, let's go to a different place. Is he still on camera? Yes. Is he still on camera? No. All right, let's go back and cycle through that again and just keep doing that cycle. On, and hopefully, your access routes to these tree stand locations. Are uh, are are good to where they're you're not blowing deer out you're not you know after uh, the hunt on an evening hunt or before you're not blowing deer out coming in and you're not blowing deer out coming out at the same time you don't want that scent there for if they come by at three in the morning you know it's all you know it's there and they they probably won't get spooked in my opinion but it's it's still not good for them to hit Human scent anywhere, really.
1: See, I feel so, like I feel like that. I feel like that's not even what you do, though, Dan. As far as I understand, like you like to plan an access route that just walks right up on where the bucks are standing. You get to within about thirty yards of them and shoot them <laughs> while they're standing there, right?
2: Right, right. <laughs> yeah, last year, last year it worked. You know, as, uh, as a joke, I always tell. Uh, uh, everybody that that buck was blind in his left eye. So he had no clue I was
1: there anyway. (laughs) Got to find more bucks like that. That's a summer scouting strategy. Go find a blind buck.
2: Go find blind bucks. But at the same time, with with all that stuff, you know, I'm a running gun type guy. But if I am going into an area and I'll do a running gun in, I'm not opposed to leaving that tree stand up and coming back to it so I don't have to do a full setup on a later time. Just leave it up. And then come, you know, use it in that, that cycle. But at the same time, man, just historically, uh, I'm a, I'm a believer in uh, annual patterns. I'm a believer in annual deer movement. And I just feel that none of the deer, none of the the deer I want to shoot, I'm not going to say all the time, but you hit, you hit mid October, early October. There's, they're moving, but they're still nocturnal and you can't do anything about that.
1: So you're big on annual patterns. You've got some spots you've been able to hunt for a long time. You know them well. So you can say stuff like what you just did with confidence, right? Yep. Now, on the flip side, I know you came out and hunted my home state in Michigan last year for a little bit. Run and gun, new spots, all uh, brand new adventure. So yep. what I want to know is this. Let's say I offered you $5,000. $5,000. And all expenses paid, food and lodging for 2021 to Michigan. Yeah. But you can't hunt in Iowa. Would you take it? Or would you say, screw your money and screw your mitten state? I'm taking Iowa. (laughs) But think about what you could do with that $5,000, Dan. You could pay for an elk hunt. You could pay for, uh, you know, whatever you need, a bunch of those trail cameras. What would you do?
2: You're telling me. So you're you're saying. Let me lay this out again. You're gonna pay me five thousand dollars. You're gonna feed and house me, but I can't hunt Iowa. Only Michigan.
1: Yeah. So so that basically says you can't hunt your homestead at all. Michigan's your only location. But I'm going to pay you all that money and all of your needs in Michigan are taken care of. You're going to eat five-star chef meals. You're going to sleep in a beautiful uh, resort hotel with a spa and they'll do your <laughs> nails and they'll wax your back. Whatever you need.
2: <laughs> is, there, is there a limitation on the time that I can hunt? Like, can I hunt all the time?
1: Yeah. You I hunt, hunt every hunt, day. If hunt, I to. hunt whenever you want. Mm.
2: That's a like, <laughs> let me run that by my wife, but, uh, <laughs> but dude, that's, it's tempting from the point where I can go to Michigan or whatever the end state is and have time to figure everything out, right? I can go into an area, throw up the trail cameras, hunt it, scout it, check trail cameras and start to put more pieces of the puzzle together. And I feel like, if I could do that, I could locate a top-notch buck in any state. Like, I'm, I'm pretty confident in that. If I had the ability to uh, spend a lot of time scouting trail camera data and hunting and, um, like, observation hunts or whatever, I feel like I could find a top-notch buck and put a plan together to get him on the ground. With that said,
1: <laughs> okay, I knew there was—I knew there was a butt coming here.
2: <laughs> like, uh, dude, Iowa is magical, and every year you—it you it is, you're like, huh, it's like nothing you've ever seen before. Mark, you can attest to that. Yeah, like, I know it. Even even one weekend in Iowa is different. Like, even on my farms, I have other people hunt it, right? Like some of these people, like I talk to people on Instagram and, and Facebook, just like you do, these people have never seen deer that big from a tree stand before. Like, are like this sounds like an arrogant thing to say, but from my the deer that I would never shoot this is the biggest deer some of these people have ever seen. And although I would be up for the challenge one hundred percent, I will I will say that I would take that. I would take that offer, but just not this year.
1: Okay. All right. Well, when I win the lottery someday, I'm okay, gonna good. I'm gonna actually make you do it. I'm gonna have the five thousand dollars right. and and try to see if you will actually take me up on that.
2: <laughs> thank, uh, uh, you know, thank God for hypotheticals. Yes. Right? Yes. They're not. On, they're not true. Yep. <laughs> uh, okay. But I will back. I'll, I'll put this. I'm not gonna give you a time frame. But I will come back to hunt Michigan again.
1: Good. All right. It was fun when you came out. I, I want to do it yeah. one of these times when I've got time in like a place where we could actually like tag team a spot um, for a week. That would be pretty cool.
2: Yeah. And maybe invite Andy May. And then he's <laughs> like, where are you going? And I'll be like, oh, man, I'm going to this spot over here.
1: And then basically it's just me following him <laughs> into a spot. I mean, that's not a, that's not a bad idea to get a buck <laughs> on the ground, man. <laughs> yeah. For uh, some reason,
2: man, this, this place was just calling to me.
1: That's weird. I don't know what happened. Um, all right. New scenario. And this is one that you can uniquely answer because you've had to deal with this. And I'm curious if you would, I'm curious how you'd approach it if it had happened to you again. So <laughs> you head in to hunt your best spots like your best farm and it's your first hunt of the year. And uh, I mean, I know sometimes your first hunt of the year isn't until later in the month, but let's say it's earlyish October. You go in there. Conditions are great. You've stayed away from it for the last month. You've let it, you know, soak and keep pressure low. You show up, you're excited and you realize that there are a bunch of logging trucks. The owner of the property is logging the sucker out. What would you do now that you've been through this once before?
2: Yeah, that's a very tough question because the farm was different that year. Uh and I shot they luckily they didn't they didn't log the whole farm at one time. They logged half uh one fall and then into that spring and uh the late winter and spring they logged the other half. So it was a 50-50 type deal. Uh and I was able to bounce uh, and kill my deer that, that year on the opposite side of the farm. But, um, let's just say for this question, the purposes of this question, um, I did that, that they were logging the whole farm at one time. I would just try to find the pockets where the does aren't being kicked out. I mean, they can only log so much at one time. And I feel like there would still be deer coming through there. I would probably hunt more towards the fringes and the main terrain features leading in and out of the property. Let's say that border up to a, uh, a neighboring farm that let's, let's just say isn't getting logged and set up there and try to watch, watch the traffic coming through Um, a lot of observation hunts, a lot of um, you know, if it hopefully he's, he's there the next time and trying, trying to find out where this movement is and then, real aggressive moves in again. Right. So pretty much the same thing that I'm doing, just more observation, more trail cameras, more, uh, more looking for that fresh deer sign, I guess you want to say, and then, and then making it hard moves into it.
1: So it's not going to, you're not looking like you have to find a new place. You believe you could still make it happen.
2: Well, I mean, if it was so bad, I mean, I have multiple farms, so, For me, there's always times where if let's just say there's a a couple other hunters, I'm I'm bouncing to a new piece or I'm uh, going to uh, the public down here or I'm going to go to a different farm and and see what's going on there. Like my net is pretty is cast pretty wide when it comes to uh, like having options on where to hunt because I don't want that scenario to have to affect me right it's like oh shit they're logging All right, well this spot's blown out let's go Go over here you know what I mean so having options and having multiple farms to hunt and multiple pieces of public picked out is something that I go into every season having anyway so it's just it's it's almost like a good practice to have
1: always have a backup and a backup for your backup and a backup backup for your backup backup. (laughs) yeah that's a good way to go about it all right. Speaking of other hunters, it's October 28th and because there's a mega cold front that came through and you're super pumped about it and you've got the good, uh, the right wind direction to hunt one of your favorite areas, you're going to start your rotation a little bit early. So you're sneaking in. You had to take care of the kids in the morning. So it's like a midday kind of thing. You're going to head in to start your big trip and you're coming up to the top of a ridge you came in through a ditch you're coming up to the top of a ridge and just as you crest the ridge and you can see over the rise another hunter appears like 10 yards away from you he was doing the same thing but came from the opposite side you guys meet up at the top of the ridge you're 10 yards away you look at him he looks at you he's got something in his hand you look in his hand he's holding one of your trail cameras Yeah. what do you do
2: (laughs) (laughs) My heart just started beating real hard. (laughs) I I figured it would. (laughs) I he's holding my trail camera. If I'm picking up the phone and I call the, uh, I call the DNR officer immediately and out loud so he can hear me. I, I, I am saying it is, if I know him, I'll say his name. I'll say, I'm looking at him right now. He's holding my trail camera in his hand. Um, why don't you get out here and that's it. And let him take care of the rest. Uh, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to sit here and mess around with, mess around with it. I'm not going to say, Hey, I'm going to give you an option. I've had too many trail cameras stolen. Uh, I'm, I'm unfortunately, whether that's the first trail camera he's stolen or the 10th trail camera, this guy's stolen, he will be prosecuted to the fullest extent. And like, if it's up to me, because I'm, I'm done with that shit. Like I'm done with it. So if that guy wants to play that game, he's going to win fines. He's going to win whatever penalties that a guy gets for stealing shit. That is what he's going to get. So, I mean, at the same time, I'm just going to be like, you know, you're a dirt bag, probably subtly, <laughs> you know, I mean, let's be honest, as much as I would love to walk over there and just beat the shit out of him. Right. Here's Dan Johnson shot. Yeah. Right? <laughs>
1: like,
2: I don't want to. I don't want to get shot. I don't want to like, get stabbed, whatever. I am just, I'm going right to the police and yeah. I'm going to just say, Hey, why don't you wait here? Cause uh, I'm going to follow you back to your truck or whatever you're going to do. So just stay here and we can figure this out with uh, with a conservation officer.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, I, I thought that one might hit home with you. <laughs> yeah.
2: And if he hunts on the same property that I, that I uh, hunt on, I'm going straight to the landowner and I'm going to tell her, uh, tell him, uh, listen, I just caught a guy stealing my trail camera. It's this guy. Uh, You know, you do what you want, but I want to let you know that if any more of my trail cameras get stolen, uh, I'm holding him responsible for all that throughout the years. And I think I have a pretty good standing with my uh, landowners that uh, they would probably just kick that person off off the farm. So now they've not only lost, you know, they're probably gonna to have to pay some kind of fine, they're also going to lose some really good hunting property.
1: hmm Yeah. I'd say, uh I'd say it's not a risk worth taking. No. Uh no. I yeah. So whew, I wanna <laughs> find him. I, I wanna
2: fight him and hit him. You know, maybe I'll just knock an arrow and launch one, right? Like a little bit to the left and see my luck. I'm so bad at aiming. I'd probably shoot the guy.
1: Yeah, man. That's not a good idea for you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's take a step back from fiery Dan and, uh, talk about another fun thing that I know about you. Um, it's November 1st. You made it past the trail cam debacle. Uh, this guy's gone. You're hunting again. And it's one of those days that's special. You get it set up in your stand in the morning and they're chasing, they're running, the woods are on fire. Then it slows down a little bit around 9 o'clock, 9.30, same thing. 10 o'clock, 10.30 rolls around and you're thinking about lunch. I know you. You're already thinking like, "Ah, I'm getting hungry. And then you see a mature buck cruising. He's cruising out of of range though. So you saw him and I got, well, I got to stick it out a little bit longer. So now 11 o'clock rolls by, and you see a little uh, yearling chasing a doe. And then 11.05 comes by, and there's a two-year-old cruising. So it's 11.30 now, and there's been a lot happening in the last hour. But at the same time, you didn't bring in a lunch. You had some snacks. You were planning on getting out to go somewhere else midday. Your knees are hurting. I know your knees are hurting at this point.
2: Jesus what Christ, man. Give me some
1: good. <laughs> I told her this is the Dan Johnson roast. <laughs> what what do you do? What do you do in this point?
2: Oh, uh, so where your question is completely flawed is there is always food in my backpack. Like there's always something to eat, something to drink, always every time. So, I'm not too worried about that. Um but I do have a rule, believe it or not, that if there is continuous movement throughout uh, whatever time frame I'm sitting, I'm sitting, right? But at the same time, as at that when that big mature buck uh, came through at whatever time, I'm trying to call to get him to come to me, right? I'm trying to get his attention and to see if that works, right? And then I'm going to give him, if he, if he doesn't respond, I'm going to give him enough time to where I think he can loop around and, and then try to come into my position. So, and then, you know, here comes another – you know, one year old, two year old, whatever, three year old coming in and messing around. I'm not, uh, I'm not just going to get out of my tree stand if there's good action. Uh, when I leave my tree stand, it's been an hour or so since the deer have, you know, have come by. And so I'm probably going to get out of my tree stand, you know, I'm, or what I'll do is if I see where that buck went into let's say a thicket i might move closer to that thicket or i might move to a different tree stand location right away and hunt midday there but i just it's its just one of those things it's hard i've, I've hunted specific farms so much that uh, my farm so much that i feel like i don't need to i don't need to hunt uh midday to be successful now that will change if I, let's say say I go to Missouri and I find a, a really good trail and deer are constantly coming by, but it starts to slow down, you know, I'll probably stick it out. I'll probably stick it out until multiple hours have passed with no sighting. But then by that time it's two o'clock and then it's three o'clock and now you're, you're, you're going to stay there anyway. I might get down and do a little mini scouting session or something like that come back up or just climb up and down my tree stand just to, I don't know, get some blood circulating, but, uh, I don't know. It it just, for me, it's not about not hunting all day. It's about the activity that I see when I decide to leave the tree stand. If the activity's there, I'm going to do it. I'm going to sit it out. But for me, uh, I guess I got other things to do, jet trail cameras. Um,
1: I don't know, just not an all day guy. I get it, man. I get it. Uh, here's another one for you. Let's say you had that situation and the movement died down and you had to move a little bit, right? So let's say at eleven, eleven thirty, you bailed, went back to your truck. But in your head, you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to just grab something from my truck. Maybe you want to grab another stand or something and a, yeah. some water or whatever. And then I'm going to head right back out. And I'm going to stay out there till dark. So you know you've got a good six, seven more hours of sitting to do. And it's one of those long sits. It's going to be as you're grabbing your gear at the back of the truck, all of a sudden, I pop out of the woods. I just jump out of nowhere. And I've got three bags in my hand. And I run at you. You're shocked because I'm not supposed to be in Iowa. You thought I was in Michigan. But here I am. I've got three bags. One of my bags Has got a three cheese chalupa combo meal from Taco Bell. (laughs) One of these bags has a classic double cheeseburger combo meal from Wendy's, and one's a Fuji apple salad from Panera Bread. Taco Bell. Taco Bell. That's a bold, bold move with seven hours in the tree ahead of you,
2: dude. I got an iron gut. Like (laughs) I've already had my morning poop, right? I I'll take it. And that's the thing. Like I don't drink coffee in the mornings. For that reason, right? I will switch my, my bowel movement schedule to post evening hunt. Uh, It's like I've, this is a practice that I've, it's like monks, right? They, they're able to like not feel pain.
1: Dan Johnson a monk comparison. This is wonderful. Right.
2: I I am able to shift my bowel movements from after morning coffee to after dinner meal. Right. So uh, it's I don't know. I'm not afraid to eat a taco. I'm not afraid to eat Taco Bell before uh afternoon hunt.
1: All right. Well, you heard it here first folks. Dan Johnson will take Taco Bell to the tree stand.
2: And you know this, Mark, uh if, if nature does call, I'm sky dumping.
1: <laughs> we had to find a way to sneak that in, right? There it
2: is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> There's a big checkbox somewhere yeah right? Oh, here it is. We can sky wrap this one up now. Chat.
1: All right, see ya. <laughs> all right. So speaking of sky dumps, then, and uh, and you know, setting up midday, uh, you've headed back in. You're gonna set up in a new location, and this is midday now. You've you've had your t bell. You're heading back in, and you know the spot you need to get to, right? You had this sighting. And maybe that sighting just happened to line up with some trail camera info too. So you're really confident that this little pinch point zone, maybe it's maybe it's a thicket where some does are bedded and this buck is cruising the downwind side of it and you know that there's this little terrain feature that just like pins them into this little tight spot. It's it's picture perfect. It's great. Uh, yeah, Honestly, I don't know why you weren't hunting there in the first place in the morning, but you didn't. You decided to be 70, 80 yards back and, and now you're making the move to get right there. Here's the problem though there's two trees available within range of that spot. One of them is a beanpole tree. Like it's, it's like eight inches in diameter, straight up and down and almost no cover at all. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a big beanpole, but man, that sucker is perfectly positioned. If you were to hunt that, the wind is going to be almost bulletproof for you because there's a little bit of a ditch behind you that's going to blow over. And, you're not going to get busted from a wind perspective. And any buck that comes through that pinch point, you're going to have a beautiful 20 yard shot. I mean, it's gorgeous. And you know, if you sat there and a buck did what you wanted, it'd be a chip shot, even for you, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) The the alternative though, and the thing to think about here is that that pole tree is lacking some things that this other tree has. This other tree is short and scrubby. It has got all sorts of branches, it has got all sorts of winding, just junk and brush, and I mean it's it's perfect camouflage. You can get up in there and nothing's ever gonna see you. The problem is you can't get any higher than like eight or nine feet up. That's this tree's yep. short, so you're gonna get up in there. it's gonna be eight or nine feet up, and you're gonna have to clear out a lot. I mean, there's gonna be some work to even be able to get into the tree, let alone to get any shots. yeah, which tree are you gonna pick?
2: I'm probably, uh, as you described it, I'm probably picking the beanpole tree. I'm going to get as high as I can with four sticks. And I'm going to face my tree stand on the opposite side, facing away from where I believe deer movement is going to come to. So although it's a small beanpole tree, uh, it's still something between me and the deer. So I'm going to get high. And, uh, I'm going to get, you know, and I'm going to be facing away so that I'll be facing the tree when the shot, when the shot comes. Does that make sense? Yep. I follow. And the reason I'm um, the reason I'm not picking all of that other work is because like for me, when I get into an area, like I'm in pretty tight as it is. So I want to get up. Like I don't want to spend any time on the ground. There's times where I have to, you know, like, Potentially taking a pole saw or a hand saw with me and chopping, you know, cutting some branches down. But that is a lot of noise. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of time spent on the ground uh, where something could potentially come by or, you know, choose your scenario, what happens there. And uh, so I I guess I would rather be high. Now, if if you told me I'm still shit, uh, I'm still sitting low to the ground, but didn't have to do all that cutting, then I would probably take eight foot off the ground with good back cover as opposed to high and no cover. But in that scenario, I'm not I'm not gonna trim all that just for an eight foot set. Like I'm gonna get high. Maybe I'm a little exposed, but I'm not bouncing around in a tree.
1: Okay. So let's play it out a little further. You go up in that bean pole, you're I don't know, how many sticks do you bring? Four, five? Four. What do, do? Four, four six. All right. So you're four sticks high and you spread them out wide. So you're up there. Yeah, I don't know, 20, 23, 24 feet, something like that. And 18, you're on the. 18 to 22 okay, feet. Okay. Yeah. 18 to 22 feet. You're up there. I forgot. I've got a little bit longer legs than you. Um, yeah. And uh, you're, you're facing away from where they think they're coming. And here comes a big old buck. He's the one. And you just like, you knew it. This was the spot. I mean, this is the spot of spots. Big buck yep. comes rolling through and he busts you. Like he, he's at 80 yards and like head up, he sees something doesn't like, turns, goes the other way. You're like, shit. yeah But you, you, know, ah, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes later, here comes a doe family group coming down the trail. They get all the way into the pinch point. They're at 30, 35 yards, but then big mama doe, head up, bam, she spots you up there too. So now you've been busted twice and yep. you're thinking- Now this is
2: by sight or by smell?
1: This is by sight.
2: Or both. This is by sight. sight. Okay. Yeah, by sight. Okay. So I've made ba- I've made a bad decision, right? And I've I've gotten busted for
1: it, right? Yep. You've been busted by a mature okay. buck and some does, but at the same time, man, like there are deer moving, and like deer coming through, and all of these deer want to head right to this spot. So you you know that you're getting busted, but at the same time, you know like, geez, like I picked the right area. They want to be here. What do you do? Do you stick it out, thinking and hoping that maybe you'll get away with it one of these times, or do you say shit? I gotta, you know, I, I can't get away with it. There's no point being yeah, well, in the best spot. I've
2: gotten busted. It, yeah. If I've gotten busted by two, like by the mature dough and the mature buck of whatever that area is, or are coming through there. That's just two indicators saying that I'm, I I made the wrong decision. So you have to move, right? It, like you can't just wish that away. It's not going to happen. Yep. So I come down, uh, I mean, there might be a couple of other options there where you go, you go down to the actual bottom of the tree and you start cutting some branches or some stuff off of a, um, a different tree and you start hanging those in the tree with you. So, so you're, you're bringing up cover with you, so to speak, and, uh, it's taking away your silhouette, but at the same time, that's a lot of work too. So for me, I guess I would probably, one. there's different scenarios here, but for me, I would probably tear down, stack up, walk up the trail where these deer came from, and then I would find a different tree up there. If If we're talking about like a whole bunch of trails intersecting with each other, and that's why I had to make that decision in the first place, well, then I'm probably going to get into that other tree and... You know, blow it out that night potentially because it's later in the hunt, but I'll have it set up for the next morning if the wind direction is going to stay the same. Yep. All right, I like it. But for the most part, I don't know. Just like being real still, you know, in that scenario, I like I got a couple, I got a couple uh, tree stand locations that are just like that, where they're coming off uh, the top of a ridge, and at some point they are almost eye level with you before they drop down Mm, to cruise into this little pinch. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so you have to be still. And I, dude, I'm not going to say I don't get busted every year because I do. I, I get busted every year by too much movement or not paying attention and deer are coming, you know, behind me or whatever. But if it's, is it, is it because of where I'm at and how I'm set up? Or is it because I was doing something dumb? Like, I can can move it, but if I'm so silhouetted and so skylined that I'm getting picked off by immature does and young bucks, then there's a problem.
1: Yep, I get that logic for sure. All right, how about this one? We've had to deal with circumstances kind of like this to varying degrees over the years, both of us have curious where your head's at these days. Uh, you've got a wonky thing going on with your schedule when, and your wife's availability, really, where you could hunt the first week of November, and it's it's clear. You got the whole first week of November, and it's yours. No other obligations. You've got babysitters. You got school. Your wife's all set. It's beautiful. Problem is, October 31st arrives, and you look at the forecast, and man, November 1st is 72 November second, seventy four. November third, seventy five. You got a full week of seventies. Lousy. Not what any of us dream about. So you're sitting there thinking, man. And, and let me let me add one more qualifier. For whatever reason, you worked it out with your wife that it's only going to be a week for rotation this year, just because it's been a crazy year. So you could <laughs> you could pick that first week, and you'll have the whole darn week, man. But you're going to have to deal with those weather those weather uh, situations. On the flip side sarah said you could also have the second week and you look at the forecast and man there's a cold front coming through those 70s are going to drop down to the 50s and 40s it's going to look better problem is you've got some obligations throughout the week you're gonna be able to hunt two maybe three days if you play your cards right max you might be able to get three days that week but man the weather looks dynamite which week are you picking And, and let me add a second in deer. thing. Deer, hold on. Okay, go go. Which week are you gonna pick? And then how are you gonna approach hunting those two unique circumstances?
2: Yeah. All right. So, in a crazy way, deer hunting—you take away all of the the details to that question per se. Deer hunting is trying to get in. A spot where you have a shot opportunity at a deer right not then we start throwing in all this other stuff right yeah the only thing i'm thinking about at this point is i'm still picking that first week i'm still picking that first week like to me the rut is happening whether it's 800 degrees or well then we'd all boil a lot <laughs> <and die. laughs> all right
1: you lost you lost the game right there right
2: right right whether it's 80 degrees out or it's the perfect high pressure, 30, you know, 35 degree days, right? The, the deer are still going to breed the movement at this point. To me, the way I look at it is, man, this is kind of cool. This is kind of good for me because now the deer are only moving early in the morning, you know, for that first couple hours where it's still cool out in November. And as that sun starts to set, And it starts to cool down again. Then they're moving again. So all that does is just eliminates any midday thought process that I have to do. Right. It's morning hunts and evening hunts. And I'm getting in tight every every single hunt. I'm going to get into, I'm going to backdoor bedroom. I'm going to get right close to where I believe they're bedding or where um, I, I feel that these bucks are going to come out. Right. So for me, time to figure out that problem of getting a deer within shooting range, consecutive days, as opposed to a couple days here, a couple days. There has a more of a, has more of a a benefit to me than just hunting one or two days, right? Just, you know, hunting a day and then having two days off and then hunting two days and having four days off or whatever that scenario is. I'm picking the seven days in a row where I can start the process check the trail cameras, get into the bedding areas, uh, observe and put the pieces of the puzzle together, knowing that the next day I can use what I've learned to make a move and then use that day to make a move and then use that day to make a move so that hopefully I've, you know, I've gathered enough information over however many days I've hunted to put myself into a position to, to shoot a deer.
1: I like it. You got a system, play the system. Yep. All right. system.
2: And that's what, that's what works for me. And, uh, I love, don't get me wrong. I love going in and hunting that late October timeframe. Or if I, I have a, a post rut hunt or a late season hunt where you're just going in and, and kind of hoping something's there, not really knowing if anything's there, but I, I like to, uh, the process that I've established for myself has led me to, it's just like information gathering, information gathering, go more, 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 more. And then don't know it all adds up to putting a tree stand in a right spot to where you can shoot a deer
1: i follow you all right we got a new phase here dan we got the rapid fire phase here where i'm going to ask you a series of questions one after the other you can only give me like a one word answer okay it's going to be yes or no or this or that i'm going to run you through these and then we're going to wrap it up all right okay all right here we go And some of the stuff we've talked about over the years, of course, we've talked about probably everything under the stars over the years, but this is going to be a nice way to synthesize it all down into 30 seconds. So here we go. Does the moon matter to deer movement? Yes or no? No. Would you take a 50-yard shot at a mega whitetail with your bow? Yes or no?
2: Broadside, yes.
1: If you could only have one of these for the rest of your hunts, would it be a set of Radley antlers or Grunt Tube? Grunt Tube. Expandable or fixed blade broadheads?
2: If I only had to pick one.
1: Yeah, you got to pick. Should you stop a buck with some kind of sound before shooting if he's walking? Yes or no? Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay. If you were coming to hunt in Michigan and you had to pick a guide, someone's going to guide you to a buck in Michigan. You can't have Andy May. He's busy. You got to pick either me or Furter. Now, me, I'm very analytical. But I'm also kinda of cranky and I'm high pressure and I'm kind of intense. My hunting buddies say that I'm I'm tough to be guided by. Uh while Furter, he's a little more laid back. Let's say he he's calm and cool. He's uh he's probably more fun though. You picking Furter or you picking Kenyon?
2: Mark, God, this is this is the hardest question out of all of them. Because <laughs> Furter, I I think I have fun with Furter.
1: Oh yeah, you would.
2: I, I I don't even know if I don't even know if I want to answer that question because I, I don't want to hurt I don't want to hurt your feelings.
1: Mark. <laughs> All right, well we know where this thing went. You're canceled. Podcast is done. You asshole. <laughs> next question.
2: Uh, of course, of course I'd pick you, Mark.
1: Uh, next question: Which state has better deer hunters, Michigan or Iowa? Uh, Michigan. <laughs> All right, this last one's not a rapid-fire question. You made it through rapid-fire. You passed just barely. You got an F+. Um, But here's the final question. I have all the powers in the world, and I have been granted the ability to take away your rights to hunt forever. You will never get to deer hunt ever again, except unless you can kill a four-and-a-half-year-old buck or older this season. You've got to kill a four-and-a-half-year-old buck this season. If you don't, never hunting again. If you do, you're golden. Here's the problem, though. I'm only going to give you one day to do it, and you've got one stand location to do it from. So you need to tell me what's the date you're going to pick and describe in detail the specific spot, location, location, details of where you would set up for your one very high pressure sip.
2: Do do I get to, uh, do I get to pick the weather as well?
1: Well, I've got, I'm all powerful in this scenario, but because I'm a good friend, I'll say yes. Okay. All right.
2: (laughs) So here it is. It is, we're going to be, we're going to be in a, a staging area. Okay, we're going to be on the top of a ridge leading to a food source that is potentially still standing or, uh, you know, the the deer activity nocturnally is happening here. I'm going to go into a staging area. I'm going to say. And I, like picking one specific day is is tough, but let's just for all intents and purposes say November November eleventh. Okay, it's November eleventh. It is, um, uh, yeah. So I'm going to be in a staging area that's probably a hundred yards off a ag field in this staging area is just a whole bunch of shredded trees. It's, uh, it's the place where the deer hold up to chill out for a second before they head into that, uh, into that ag field. And I'm sitting on the downward side of this ridge, um, where this, in this staging area, and the wind is blowing. Like I I expect the deer movement to come to my left, but the deer The uh, wind is blowing in my face over top of this ridge down into this uh, valley below me, this uh, drainage below me at a quartering angle. And the deer are going to be walking this ridge thinking that they have the advantage. Meanwhile, 20, 10, 20 yards to the right of them is my scent going right down into this drainage. So, I mean, I don't know what more you need. That is where I'm setting up and that's the date and it's probably going to be if if I get to pick the weather it's going to be after an all day rain like it started raining the uh, previous night it rained for 10 hours and i got into the tree at 3 in the afternoon and i got an hour and a half to hunt and that's that's my scenario
1: i like it and i like your boldness most people when they answer this question they're going to talk about
2: what where does the boldness come into play
1: right here most people would say they're going to hunt the whole day. You said, give me an hour and a half and I'll get it done. The so, whole day? Yeah. Well, you know, most other guys would would describe a yeah. spot where they're going to hunt it in the morning and they're hunting in the evening. But you said, give me this picture-perfect scenario for an hour and a half and I'll get it done. So I would say you are the most confident in your setup, which I can appreciate. Which I yeah. can appreciate. And
2: it, I mean, you look at my wall and all the deer that I've shot, uh, not of all the deer that I've shot, I have right – Let's see. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I got eight mounts. Okay. And of those deer, four of them have been shot in evening hunts after long periods of rain. It like, makes sense. The, the rain stopped. They got out of their beds and I shot them.
1: You, you got to love so when give you me see that, that.
2: Give me that. Scenario. I'm playing the odds at that point. So give me that scenario.
1: All right. I'm giving it to you. I like it. Dan, uh, you you did well. You made it through the gauntlet.
2: If you're the the all-powerful, can you maybe make that deer have a drop
1: time then? Yeah, shit, I'll give him split brows too.
2: Split brows and a drop? Yeah. Jeez, Mark. Take back every single bad thing I've ever said about you.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I hope you feel really bad about picking further over me now. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Tell... Tell folks what you got going on these days. Where can people see the 10 million pieces of content you're producing? Um, give us the update on Sportsman's Nation and all that stuff.
2: Yeah, I guess one thing really that I mean, I've been doing a lot on milfhunter.com lately. Um, on what? There's a lot of milf, milfhunter.
1: <laughs> I thought that's what you said.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just throw the curveball.
1: Oh there. yeah. All uh, right. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, I mean,
2: just the Sportsman's Nation, man. Uh, one thing that we're we're really expanding on is s- s- state specific podcasts, right? Like, so I'm getting ready to launch a Wisconsin podcast. We have a Missouri podcast. We have a Ohio podcast. Uh, we have a Michigan podcast. Uh, we're working on a Pennsylvania themed podcast. So, a lot of the podcasts, like the Nine Finger Chronicles, is a great podcast, but it's nationwide. We don't really, other than specific episodes, we don't get really niche about States. It's just like a stories from here, a story from there, you know, content from here, content from there. But these, these podcasts are going to be state specific. So, I mean, that's one thing I'm pretty jacked up about. Um, and then on top of that, it's just like more podcasts. I did a couple of, uh, cooking videos, the nine finger kitchen on the sportsman's nation YouTube channel. And that is going to pick back up in June once my camera guy gets back from his turkey hunting adventures. And, uh, that's really it, man. Just, uh, a ton of, ton of badass content coming out of the network.
1: That's awesome, dude. Well, uh, highly encourage everyone listening to, uh, check it all out. Keep up the great work, man. It's been awesome to see, uh, all the things you've got cooking and, uh, it was a lot of fun to get to do this. Yeah.
2: I appreciate it, Mark. And you know, it's just like I can't believe it. I I still can't believe that I'm. What's what's crazy about this is, like the money. Like people are paying me to to have fun, basically, and it's crazy. Like I I I love it, and I hope that comes off. And even my conversation today with you, and I know that you're probably in some way, shape, or form still kind of awestruck about oh, yeah. where where you're at in your life, and it's just, and that that's where. Like, I appreciate that, but at the same time, I understand that as much as I am crazy about doing all this and I'm thankful for my business, like for me, it's equally as important to give back in some way, shape or form. So, um, like I'm, I'm, I'm helping, I'm doing some work for the National Deer Association. I'm a board member on 2% for conservation. So it's one of those things where I really like, I want to focus on giving back just as much as taking in. Yep. So that's that's one thing that I'm kind of uh, pushing for and proud of too.
1: It's awesome, man. That's what you got to do. And uh, I'm right there with you on the awestruck thing. I keep on waiting. One of these days, like yeah. someone's going to tap me on the shoulder and say, "You know, th- this was actually a mistake. They, they didn't really mean to hire you, or they really people thought they were listening to somebody else. Uh, <laughs> we're going right. to send you back to the cubicle. So I'm waiting on that one right, of these days. Right. But so far, so good. be the guy that
2: laid that information yeah
1: (laughs) all right man let's wrap this one up all right and that's a wrap appreciate you tuning into this one i hope uh i hope you laughed as much as i did i hope you enjoyed this one got a little more insight into how dan's brain works in the whitetail woods and uh hope you had a good time so thank you for joining me and until next time stay wired to hunt at your local auto parts store, or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn
0: more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You! Can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co, and remember use code MeatEater for ten percent off your purchase.